everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right there, celebrating with me, episode Did you hear 300, that? <laughs> Nikki Kinzer. Good Lord. I know, An right? army of orcs approaches from the east. <laughs> I can't do music, but I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> this is very exciting, Nikki. I know, 300 shows, Pete. Can you believe it? I cannot. Uh, I, I mean, I can because you know <laughs> we're here. <laughs> but yes. yeah, right. But uh, but no, it has been a long time and a lot of great conversations under our belts, yes. and so um, this is this has been a real celebration. We decided today, uh, instead of covering one thing specifically, that we're going to take some of the questions that have been stacking up uh, and uh, just run through them. And I, looking at the questions, I don't know how much of a run it's going to be. Uh, there are some great questions, and a lot of them are heavier than I expected. Yes, yes. So <laughs> I the show more like the questions you were talking about. What is your favorite color? And <laughs> some of those snuck in, but uh, most of these are much heavier than I expected. Yeah, they are. They are. And uh, I would expect the show to be a little longer today than what yeah. it is normally. You know, I want to make sure we answer the questions, answer all of them, and uh, still yeah. get in those few cute ones that you know people might want to know. Yeah, they sneak them in, yeah. they sneak in, they get on the list. Yep. Uh, before we get started, you know the drill. Head over to Take Control. After 300 episodes, come on, you better know the drill. That's right. right? TakeControlADHD.com. You can listen to the show right there on the website. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to the show. You can join the mailing list right there on the homepage. Or you can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook, pretty much everywhere, at Take Control ADHD. And you can call us like others have uh, and leave a voicemail, 503-664-4ADD. And you'll get your question on a show like this. That's how this happens. Yes, it is. You'd call a number, the magic number, and eventually we're talking about you. Uh, don't forget uh, five-star reviews in iTunes, uh, and iTunes and recommendations in your favorite podcast player. Help others discover the show when they need help. So pay it forward. Drop us a kind review. We absolutely appreciate it. And thank you for the, the newest comments that have been coming in. We sure appreciate the time that you took to do this. Uh, so there you go. All right. Let's get started. Yes. And I, you know, because you have Casey Kasem voice, <laughs> and I do not, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going to have you uh, introduce the questions. I wonder how many of our listeners actually know who Casey Kasem is. Oh, I think more than what you think. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right. If I think they our don't listeners know are Casey... probably more contemporaries of us. <laughs> yeah, if they don't know Casey Kasem, then they know who Ryan Seacrest is. There you go. Right? Oh, Very please similar. Don't, t- don't compare me to Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> well, your voice is definitely more Casey Kasem. All right. All right, Nikki. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, this first comment comes in from Carrie. Thank you so much for writing, Carrie. She says, I have to laugh. <laughs> I'm listening to the end of episode 298, and you're talking about being kind to ourselves, even sending ourselves greeting cards. Uh, yes, we were. We did do that. And I think we were laughing, uh, saying that almost, I'm not entirely, but almost as a joke. And Carrie writes, as part of my weekly planning time, I send myself an e-card every day. Is it my birthday? I send myself a note congratulating me on getting through labor and keeping him alive all these years. Is it April Fool's Day? I send myself a bad joke. Nothing special going on? Well, I'm special, and I tell myself so. Each day when I check my email, I get a whole one-minute meditation to enjoy the pretty animation and appreciate myself. That might be the only me minute of the day, so I've learned to cherish it. That is epic. I know. I love it. I Uh, love it. It's so great. It is so great. And 
when I saw the the note about congratulating me for going through labor labor and, get, and keeping them alive, <laughs> keeping I'm them like, alive. amen. Like, yeah, all right. those parents out there, they totally get that. Like, I this child is still alive. <laughs> you know, you know what I, I love about good. this on a on a. Totally. What I love about it on a serious note is that I, I actually, I do have a kind of a props folder in my day one, uh, and and I put stuff in there, but it ends up being kind of a, a black hole. I rarely go back and look at it, and, and I rarely, rarely remember to go back and look at it. What I love so much about this, and doing it through e-cards or even through the mail, is that it's a surprise that is delivered to your face. Right, right. right. You, don't, you don't have to, to do anything to be reminded about how cool you are when you're struggling with stuff. So I, congratulations to Carrie. That's a great great idea. I hope others uh, take up the mantle. Well, and I just have to say the positivity about it too is what really um, rang true. I just love that she's taking time for herself and uh, that she's acknowledging these things. I mean, I just, it's an inspiration really. I just, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. All right. Totally. All right. Our first big question then, uh, this is okay. Some of the, I have to say some of these questions are really long. And so we are, we are, I, what I'm reading to you here, I'm I'm clipping, I'm cutting right. uh, a lot of stuff, and so if if you're the person who wrote these comments, and and I'm I'm sorry, we're we we have to edit them. Here we go. Uh, we've got somebody who wrote in about uh, being in the process of moving again. Uh, she has ADD, and her son has ADHD and ODD. Her goal is to have the new house be better organized for us to live and manage our ADD, ADHD. I wanted to see if you have any tips on packing for people with ADD. You find a project you started, and you're like, oh, I so need to finish it. And so it's done before it goes to the new house. However, we're moving in two weeks. Uh, uh, let's see, tried to... Ask them not to seal boxes for the people who are helping to move uh, so that I could write on them what's in them so I would know. My goal would be so that when I unpack, I can declutter since it's obviously not happening uh, while or before I move. Uh, Am I being overly controlling or micromanaging a process? What can be suggested to help me pack with them in harmony without getting upset or so I can take advantage of their offer to help me pack when I'm not home? I'm just nervous. I won't know what each box is when I return and will have and will then have a clutter box mess. Do I say goodbye to these projects that collect dust and have a yard sale and see if I can start off better? Lots of detail in this email about the dates and times of when she is moving. And oh my goodness, it sounds like a very big project. What do you think, Nikki? Right. And it's the it's her parents that are helping her too, just to let people know like who the them are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so her parents are helping her with the move. You know, um, this is my thought. You know, the, the nice thing about moving is you, it really is a chance to start over, right? It really is yeah. like this new, what is it? A, a new canvas to paint. <laughs> is that right? Like yeah. a new, you know, so it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's a great time. Um, what I do suggest though, is to purge as much as she can while she's in her old home before she actually packs anything and take it to her no or into her new home. So mm-hmm. I, I would say, um, you know, don't, don't just put stuff into the box and think that you're going to deal with it later. And the reason I say that is there was a piece, uh, there was a comment that she was talking about in her, um, 
in her message that kind of insinuated that that's what she would do is that she would kind of just take care of it when she got to the new house. And so I would suggest that she not do that, that, you know, again, just purge as much as you can. Um, and even while you're packing, I would say, have a donation bag next to you. So as you're packing, you can decide, is this something I really want to take with me? If it's not, then go ahead and put it in the donation bag. And, sure. uh, and have that be a process that you're doing together, um, as you're packing. But, you know, I, I think that the less you have to go into the new house, the better, right? I mean, I, I just think it is. My fear is that if you put everything into the boxes and think you're going to deal with it later, you're never going to deal with it. They're just going to sit in your garage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you the number of people that I know, the number of people that I know who move and end up having to retrofit their garage with like hanging shelves, ha shelves that actually hang from the ceiling to put the boxes that should never have been packed and moved in the first place from the old house. It's, it's just too many. It's a thing we all do and we can get uh, out of this habit, right? If you do this purge before you leave and take less stuff, you, it's, it, it's a huge uh, benefit to the process. Absolutely. And she actually, um, something that we didn't highlight, she has some time between, um, when she actually has to leave the old house. So, so she'll be moving into the new house and still has like a couple of weeks to get the old house, like cleaned up and everything. So, I mean, that's an opportunity that if you're not sure, then just keep it in the old house. And then if you want to, then you can bring it over, you know, later. Yeah, um, right. but I definitely would just take what you absolutely know for sure that you want over there regarding the people that are helping you. I, you know, I think that it, in my opinion, I would just communicate to them why you need things done in a certain way um, and let them know that this is something that would be helpful for you. But if they don't do it every single box or they don't do it exactly the way that, that you want it, I just honestly would let it go and not worry about it. And, you know, just be I, I, be grateful that they're helping you. Right. I, and I know yep. she is. I'm not getting it any kind of sense that she's not. I know she is help, I'm gr very grateful about it, but I would just kind of assume that you can figure it out later. Like you're going to be able to figure out enough of, you know, what they put in here. If they said kitchen, it's probably going to be something for the kitchen. So right. communicate with them and then just let it go and not worry too much about what they're doing and then just figure it out when you get to the to the new home. But the purging has to happen first. I mean, I really definitely think that that is helpful. She talked about having a yard sale. And I'm really yeah. mixed about yard sales. Super split on the yard yeah. sale. Yeah. I mean, I've held them and they're a lot of work and a lot of time. And, you know, we came back with maybe a couple hundred bucks. And it's like, really? Was that really worth it? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it could be. I mean, for some people that might have been worth it. Honestly, for me at that time, I was like, yeah, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, it's funny because I have to admit just like maybe a week ago, I asked my husband, I'm like, you know, we've got a lot of stuff. Should we consider doing something like that this spring? And so I don't know. I'm still kind of, it, it is split. I mean, it's just, yeah. I think it depends on how much stuff you have left over that you don't want to take with you. Is it worth an amount of money that you could, you know, get get some money off of it. Like, you know, I wouldn't just put a bunch of trash and think that this is worth your time. But if you have some stuff and you think, well, I could really sell that dresser or that chair, you know, for a good amount of money and, and, and make some good of it, then 
go for it. I mean, maybe it is, is worth the time, but that's really what you have to decide. Is it worth your time and effort, you know, compared to what you're going to get back? And, uh, you really just have to use your best judgment. You know, I, it's, it's the season, right? It's hot out. Everybody's doing their yard sales right now. You drive around the neighborhood. It's like the yard sales are dime a dozen. And, and, uh, uh, my goodness, everybody looks so miserable. Yeah. <laughs> just I look around I'm like this is not motivating me to do a yard sale. Uh so it's a anyhow, lot more work than what I think people realize. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyhow, there you go. We are we may not be yard sale people. That doesn't mean yard sales aren't a, a great benefit. We're just not the right, right people to ask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because there's people <laughs> that swear by them. Absolutely. Yes. Totally, and can do totally. them really They're, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, find those people and they can help you set it up. And and that's something we've talked about on the show before. There are yard sale services that take a, a percentage of earnings and they'll come in and they'll do a great job at selling your stuff. Right. And you just kind of hand off the process. Like, here's my stuff, make it go away and give me a few pennies for it. If you don't care about that process and you don't necessarily care about making 100% of the profit, you can have people who come in and do something really, really smart and uh, they can market it well and they're, they're, do that. That that could really help you out and not have to, you know, add another thing to your list to think about. Absolutely. Okay. Next question. Go on, Casey Kasem. Here we here we go. <laughs> I absolutely hate my job and career in social work. I am essentially burnt out. I'm feeling disenfranchised from the vision I've been working toward for years, and I have no idea what to do next. I feel like I'm doing all the right things, but I'm still stuck. I was hoping you might have some insight. So my problem has a few prongs. First, I have this desperate urgency for a new job right now, even if it's not a job I end up pursuing as a career. I'm unsure about what I can do next, ADHD, burnout, and trauma considered. I feel simultaneously overwhelmed by all the possibilities and somehow still optionless. Three, I have a great grasp of my strengths, needs, etc., but don't know how to take productive steps toward productive steps forward that will result in progress, not just self-awareness. I heard the podcast on making decisions today, and it became annoyingly clear that I am totally procrastinating by avoiding a decision and researching, reflecting everything to death. But on the other hand, I don't want to choose wrong again and can only afford to go back to school once. I guess ultimately my question is, what do I address? Where can I make my changes in my process? Do I need to just make a decision? Oh my goodness. There's a lot going on in here. And again, I've read just a a little bit of this uh, email. This is a big challenge you are facing, truly. It is, and it actually took me some time to really think about how I wanted to respond. so I'm curious from you, Pete, before I give my response, what your thoughts are. Well, it, you know, the first thing I thought about is I, I totally hear you and and you're not alone. And I've felt that way myself. Uh, and and I think the thing that that jumped out at me is there's a lot of talk about jobs and careers, but some of the most surprisingly optimistic and happy people in their jobs are people who stopped thinking about jobs and started thinking about functions, right? Like a function that they wanted to serve in an organization. And and I'll tell you what I mean by that through an example. Uh, one of my clients is up in uh, Canada, and they are steel uh, piping company, right? All they do is stainless steel fixtures for sterile environments, Right. So like hospitals, emergency rooms, kitchens, any place that that needs to have, you know, high quality custom steel. uh, These this is the company that does it. 
And the woman that handles the entire uh, inventory uh, and and sort of back-end logistics and fulfillment process uh, is a, a former psychotherapist and is simply amazing person and actually had this this very challenge and didn't know what to do but was dealing with uh, her own challenges with ADHD and needed something where she could essentially sit in a uh, sit in a space and not be bothered but manage something that she could totally hyperfocus on. That was the thing she wanted to do. She she said, I'm I'm totally sick of having to fight my hyperfocus, but I, I am an incredibly organized person and I want to use this function in my brain, my ability to hyperfocus and organize systems and do that for a company. And I don't really care what they do. Right. Yeah. And so by focusing on that function, she was able to com- totally broaden her search for companies that were because what she had been doing was just looking at, you know, hospitals and clinics and really focusing on her experience in uh, in working in therapy. And she wanted a radical career change, ended up finding this little company that does steel piping. Is that an amazing transformation? She's never been happier. She's exercising this part of her brain that she was able to to really tap into. It takes a keen bit of awareness of yourself, but it sounds like our listener here who wrote in does have, has gone through the, the sort of discernment process and and uh, has a keen understanding of, uh, you know, what she's looking uh, for. skills yeah. and, and what she's looking for. I think that's, uh, so that's the thing that jumped out to me. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree. And I love your perspective on that because I didn't, that did not come to my mind. So I think that that's a great way of looking at that is, is what, what function do I want to play and, and does the industry yeah. matter? And I, I, that's a great way of looking at it. Um, you know, a couple of things. Um, first of all, it sounds like she's doing all the right things around awareness. I mean, she really talked about how she's gone through the, the, what she needs out of a job and the must haves and the can't haves. And she's listed her strengths and her weaknesses. I mean, she knows a lot about herself where I get a little, um, unclear is she's saying that she's stuck and I'm not really sure where she's stuck because to me, I see that she's making a lot of forward movement she just hasn't found a job yet. She just hasn't found what she's looking for. So I, I guess I would question, you know, where, what decision has to be made here? Like I, I would get more clear about what it is that she is looking for or what she needs an answer to. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, yeah. It almost sounds like she is getting op- opportunities or, or having offers submitted to her that she could choose, but she hasn't been able to choose them. And I'm making a huge assumption there, but that's kind of what I'm, what I'm kind of, uh, interpreting. Yeah. And that's, what's hard sometimes is when we don't know exactly, but I, I got to give her a lot of kudos. I mean, my, my first response is just keep doing what you're doing, you know, keep, uh, keep sending in your resume, keep talking to your connections, uh, keep, you know, doing what you're doing, something will come up at the right time. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately job offers, if she's getting them or not getting them, you know, we can't control that, right. We have to kind of, we have to kind of be patient with the process. And I think that that's part of what's probably bugging her the most is that sense of urgency that I want a new job right now. 
And, um, and I'm going to just add another self-awareness for her, which she's probably like, I already know everything about myself, (laughs) but something about ADHD is that, um, being patient, you know, is, is really hard. It's hard because Mm -hmm. you do want it right now and it's really important to you right now. Um, but I would just keep focusing on what she's accomplishing, the forward steps that she's taking, have faith in the process. And, uh, and I love your advice and what you're talking about too, is really begin to, to think about the function and maybe go outside of the span of, of where you've been looking and, um, and, and, you know, go that way too. But I think she's done a lot of great work. I mean, really, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and, you know, I, I think I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm, I don't fit in our culture, but I, I tend to think that we put an awful lot of weight on the job, right? And, and, and the, 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 the job we do, the company we work for in this, in this, this country speaking specifically about the U.S. And I, I just, I feel sort of counter to that. I, rather than, than look at, you know, picking a job because you're picking the, the right company, you don't want to pick wrong. What does it mean to pick wrong in this case? Ask yourself, like, what is the worst that can happen? It's a job, Absolutely. right? I know that there are, there are requirements around things, particularly in this country right now, you want to set up uh, certain benefits and healthcare and retirement. These are things that are, that are, truly in flux in this country. And and there is a state of stress and anxiety and fear for a lot of people uh, around tying job to coverage and making sure you're protected in the future. And so those might be sort of the unstated needs we have to deal with. But the job itself is something that is fungible, right? You, there are very few careers that you can't like move in and out of really fluidly if you just change kind of the way you think about it. Um, and and again, rather than think about sort of the company you want to work for, think about the contribution you want to make in the world, right? Uh, in you know, what do you want? What do you want to do? Who do you want to work with? What kind of people do you want to work with? Maybe you come back and say, look, I think I just I, I think there's a way for me to contribute my skills on a freelance basis, so I can work with a whole lot of companies and. And, and it doesn't take very much in this day and age to set yourself up and, and run your own small business where it's just you as a freelancer and making a healthy living and doing what you want to do with the people you want to do it. And and so, I don't know. I, I, I know that takes us in a different direction. No, but. but I love that. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that. You know, one of the best um, pieces of advice that my mom gave me after graduating college is she said to me, she's like, remember, a job is just a job. If you don't like it, you can always get a new one. And, and she said that because she was stuck in an industry that she really didn't like, but she kind of ended up staying there for way too long. And so that's where she was saying to me, you don't have to do that. Don't do, don't do the same thing that I did. You know, if you don't like it, keep looking and finding something that you, that, that you do love. And, and, uh, I, I think that that, I, I think you just have a really good point there that, there isn't a wrong decision here. There really isn't because I also think you go, you go on instinct and I'm a huge believer on trusting your instinct. And if you get a job offer and you really don't feel good about it, then it's probably Mm -hmm. not the right job offer. Pass it, you know, say no, thank you and keep going. But when you get that job offer that you're really excited about and you can't wait to go to work, then that listen to that, listen to that. And, and you're going to feel a lot more comfortable with your decision. If by chance it ends up not working out, that is a learning experience. Now, you know, one more thing about yourself you know what you need in a, in a, in a career or a job. And, 
and you take those lessons and you keep moving forward in, until you find the right fit. And so I think, you know, again, what you were saying, it's all about how you, uh, look at it, your perspective and, um, you know, it, what is that? It's like, the, there's nothing, there is no failure. You're just learning, um, you know, yeah, you keep learning right. and learning. So I love that Pete. That's it. Nice job. That's it. Hey, thanks. You too. Hey, guess what? How about the next question? We have yeah. a tech question. I'm not oh, even going to touch now I'm it. Home. I'm oh. like, this is all about Pete, right? <laughs> all right. Here we go. I have regular meetings with my boss regarding performance and to-dos. I'm using several systems to stack on, to stay on track. And Bujo, Bullet Journal, has been amazing in this sense. But I find it extremely difficult to be both present in the conversation and to take notes. My manager expects me to take notes and report on sessions. I have, I've asked her to help me with this, but she would like me to develop a coping skill. Uh, are there any apps or tools that I can record a conversation and turns it into text? text, even if the text is not always accurate. Having some text to work from will help. Oh my goodness. This is a, it turns out this is a remarkably challenging question to ask. And it just is because this is where we are with the technology. Uh, there, I have a couple of suggestions though. The first is if we're going to stay on this, um, I, I want a tool that takes a record, a recording, um, of a meeting and uh, turns it into text. Uh, there is a, a website and and a, a sorted app uh, called speechnotes.co and you can get an example of it uh, at speechnotes.co you can just start talking and it will start dictating uh, and then you can export um, the uh, the you know from the website um, directly to a, a text file uh, there are also apps uh, there's an app on on the in the Android and the Google Play Store uh, that will allow you to do this the challenge here is that it's um, it's it says it it's you know unlimited length, but I find it that it sort of chokes after a little while. Not terribly reliable. The best and most reliable tool that does speech to text is from Nuance. It is Dragon Dictate. They have a couple of apps. Dragon Anywhere is their subscription service. It's fifteen bucks a month, but you can install the apps on your um, mobile devices, your iPad, your tablets, and and uh, uh, computer as well. And that will that will allow you to dictate. But again, you have to have a great microphone i mean i my experience is if you just put your phone down in the middle of the uh in the middle of the table and try to record the entire meeting what you're going to get is is akin to gobbledygook because you know any <laughs> can you say that you again know, it's it's gobbledygook, gobbledygook. Right? It's, it's, it's gobbledygook <laughs> Right. It's uh, it just it, it ends up being a mess because you, you forget your recording. You end up over talking. Conversations don't don't necessarily work uh, very well. Um, and so that that's a challenge. It's also costly. I mean, at 15 bucks a month, it's it's high quality in terms of a direct transcription. Um, you know, if you're just like dictating a letter. But it's, it, it gets expensive if you're not, you know, an attorney constantly dictating uh, every day, all day uh, to make it really worth your while. Um, and, and, of course, the complexity issue makes it tough. So I would suggest maybe using a more basic tool like uh, a, a, the service I use for transcription is called SpeechPad. And for your most important meetings... Uh, you know, depending on how often you have them, you could just put your phone down and record an audio file, right? Just in a voice recorder, dictate one of the, the recording apps. 
upload it to SpeechPad, and it's like Mechanical Turk, right? Over a couple of days, you'll get an email that says, hey, we have transcribed this entire meeting. It's done by a human, and so it is much, much higher quality. They do attempt to do, an, and, and do, I think, an able job of separating voices uh, so that you can see where one person is, has started, one person has stopped. It's a buck a minute. So for, you know, for an hour-long meeting, that's, that's 60 bucks. But if you want a rigorous transcript of what you are doing or what you did in that meeting, that is a, a, a good solution, speechpad.com. Again, notes in the show notes or links in the show notes. Finally, if you are an, uh, um, uh, let's give an example coming from uh, iPad so we can just kind of move on. There are a lot of examples of apps that do this, but uh, the app that I use for note-taking on my iPad with my stylus is called Notability, and it does this, uh, it has this function where you can turn on the recorder and then take notes. So you're taking notes while recording. It doesn't do the automatic transcription for you. It doesn't turn what you're writing into, into text, but it records the entire meeting and when you're done, you can actually scroll through the audio and that'll take you to your notes. So if you need to draw a diagram or something and you want to know what was being said while you were drawing that diagram, you can scrub through the timeline and, and it'll jump you right to the point where you were, you were drawing that uh, diagram. So it, it's pretty handy to be able to jump through your notes and re, sort of relive the memory of the meeting by hearing the audio yourself and filling in your notes later. I find that super useful. Um, it is very similar to some of the uh, features of LiveScribe, uh, which again is a more expensive solution. LiveScribe is the recording pen. We talked about it a number say, of times on the show. I was just going to ask, would that be something yeah. that could be an option for her? Yeah, and I, I think it really is. But again, LiveScribe is, um, you know, it, it can be a, a spendier solution uh, to, to pick up, you know, the LiveScribe 3 um, it, it's, uh, and the, the paper, the smart pen and the paper, the system that goes with it uh, um, can, can be a little bit more expensive. I think the, the LiveScribe um, 3 is, uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the smart pen black edition is $179.95 sense and that comes with a starter essentially but you you also need to get the the top bound notepad and the the ink refill inks and all of these things ha end up having um you know having a cost associated with them so uh, but it is it, in terms of note taking and recording your meetings it is absolutely sort of the the best in class uh for for solving this challenge and it, it also lets you tie it to the livescribe app so you can see what you're you're writing it automatically syncs to the app on your mobile device so it's it's again very very useful there so i i think there are a lot of options here but but just doing speech to text may be limiting your field of options and going back to just recording the meeting in one of these tools that allows you to relive the meeting in conjunction with your notes uh, i i would say might be a, a smarter way to do it totally feel this this challenge though i mean it's it's something that i think a lot of us have, have struggled with over over time and I don't think there's one solution that's just perfect yet well you gave her that some options it? though good job I sure did I do my best here we go okay. number four you ready yep I am self-diagnosed ADD mom frequently I find myself so distracted I cannot run my home or boys as needed what suggestions would you give me to help myself be less distracted as well as my boys thanks so much well, you're off to a good start if you if you find a way to run your boys. I always say run the kids. Put them in a field and run them. <laughs> run them, right. That, that solves all the, that solves a get, world of challenges. Get the energy out, yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's right. What do you think? It's a big question. 
um, you know, it, it's a, it's a small question. Like she, she summarized it all very nicely. Yes, it's certainly loaded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's a very, yes, thank you. It's a very loaded question. Um, and it, it's kind of like somebody saying, well, I want to get organized. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so what is, what does that mean? I mean, there's a lot of questions that I have, like, you know, what, where do you find yourself getting distracted? What, what, what's, what are the issues? What's happening? It's like, there's just so many questions. So, and it's a question with a lot of possibilities with a lot of, um, potential solutions and hope for her as well. Yeah. Um, but the first thing that really did kind of stick out at me is when she said that she was self-diagnosed. So, um, and we've talked a little bit about this before too. If, if you think you have ADHD or you feel like it's a high possibility, I really suggest going to a doctor and getting the formal diagnosis um, because they're going to really be able to help you figure out if, if that is what it is, they're going to be able to help you manage a plan on how to treat it. And, and they mm-hmm. can talk to you about d- different medications. And if she is self-diagnosed and she's not opposed to taking medication, that might be one thing that could really make a huge difference for her. Um, but they're also going to be able to talk about other options as well and other things that she can do. But I really do think that you got to get the, the diagnosis first and just make sure you know that this is what it is that you're dealing with. Uh, same thing with the sons too. You know, um, I don't think she came out and said that they were ADHD, but it sounds like they're having some focus issues. That that was the implication. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would definitely depending, you know, if they're still living with her, I'm going to, I'm going to assume again, we we don't know for sure, but I'm going to assume that they're probably school age or they're not adults. I'm not getting the impression that they're adults. So Mm -hmm. I would say if they're, um, not already diagnosed, I would also have them visit a doctor. And, uh, if they do end up having that diagnosis, then I highly suggest that she talk to their schools, um, and getting them on some kind of IEP plan to make sure that they have the accommodations that they need to succeed in school. Highly believe that. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's going to prepare them better to be adults as well. Um, absolutely. I think that as far as diving into strategies, you know, I, I don't want to not give her anything, you know, to walk away with other than just see her doctor. But I think it's, it's this, it's, it's really understanding if you have ADHD, what does that mean to you? What, how, how does that affect your daily living and really kind of zeroing in on where and when you're most distracted? What do you have control over? What don't you have control over? Where do you need help? I mean, it's, it's kind of zeroing in and getting that loaded question into more specifics and then doing research and talking to experts and maybe, um, you know, talking to your doctor, your therapist, your coach, uh, doing a search online, get to, you know, get connected with Chad, get connected with some of these other ADHD resources that are available to really have a better understanding of how your ADHD works and what are one or two things that I could try right now to, to help it so that I can work with it rather than really working against it. So, um, that's, that's kind of where I went on this question. I, I started with the get, get an official diagnosis and work on a, a plan to, 
to deal with the immediate symptoms. And then I, I just sort of stopped because yeah. I feel like this is, this is a, a question that is, is screaming for a professional to, to run some tests and, and confirm and potentially evaluate, um, you know, going on a, a treatment, a, a medication that, that would help you. And, and it's, it, you know, I think people are, are really scared of, of smart treatments, but if you have a smart, um, a practitioner, a smart doctor who is, is, who can help you make good decisions that the medication actually, you know, this was my daughter actually gave me a new metaphor, you know, she's the one who came up with the, uh, you know, for me, the, when she was in the fifth grade, she said, you know, the medication, it's, it's like, there's a party going on outside and my window's wide open when I'm not on the medication. So all I want to do is listen to the party. And now I, when I take the, the medication in the morning, it, it's like closing the window. Right. Mm-hmm. And I loved that, mm-hmm. but now she's in high school and we just did the reassessment and we did the 504 with the school and all of these things have come around. And I asked, again, you know, do, have you changed the way you think about um, the medication? And she said, yeah, I, it's more like um, all of my thoughts are running through my head, like like running across a field. And um, they uh, the, the medication is like putting up a wall that stops all the thoughts and only the ones and it allows me that wall allows me to take just a second, a fraction of a second to make a smart decision about what I'm going to do with my body next. And without it, those fe- those thoughts and ideas just run free. But with it, she's making a choice. It enables her to make a choice about how to get past the distraction, how to say, I need to stay on, on target right now because I'm working on this thing. That is what I'm hearing in this question, that if you had that just that little bit of assistance to stop yourself from doing everything, then you could focus on the one next thing that will allow you to be uh, to feel like you're more on top of your life, to be uh, uh, to make better decisions around what your your boys need, um, to to actually begin to build the accommodations that you need in order to even not use the medication in the future. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. at some point, you have to free yourself from that distraction so that you can build the life systems that you're going to need to cope when you don't have it. Mm-hmm. So. I, that, that's kind of my take on it. And, and, um, again, we are not professional doctors. We are not doctors. You should see a doctor. That's what this question is screaming to me. You should see a doctor and, and get more educated around it. Yeah. Around what this, what, what is going on. Absolutely. I love that. Wise words from your young daughter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. I love that. That's great. I love it. You know, if, if anybody in my house is thinking deeply every day about this stuff, it's, it's her. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I like to think I do, but I, I always find I'm surprised at, at how deeply she, she comes to these issues. So That's here we go. You want to do the next one? Yes. All right. I have learned over the years from having ADHD, I'm 48 years old now, that the only thing that will move me to do something about my always being late habit is if something negative happens to me. The boss gives me a warning, lose my friend's respect because I was late to an event. How can I get myself motivated to do the right thing and get myself out of the house on time? I know what I should do, but I'll allow myself to lie in bed for 30 minutes longer than I should until the adrenaline really sets in. I'm tired of being anxious on the way everything I do work play everything well the first thing that screamed at me is you're not alone (laughs) (laughs) you are not alone uh 48 years old adhd person out there um this is so common i mean what she's doing is she's relying on the negative consequences to to get her to do stuff right one of the things that 
that I noticed immediately, and this is the coach in me, is her first sentence when uh, she says, I've, I've learned over the years from having ADHD that the only thing that will move me. And so immediately I caught on to the message here that she was sending to me that this is what she learned about herself and that it was the only thing mm-hmm. that screaming limiting belief. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing that she's got to get past. We want to step away from hyperbolic language like that, right? But that's where we need to stop ourselves and not and and rephrase what we're saying to ourselves because that's exactly what's happening. Is she is not giving herself any options. This is what she believes. This is what she thinks. And so, and and it, and it could be true, but it's not true forever. It doesn't have to be true for her forever. So that's the first thing is that we've got to, we got to attack. We have to really look at that limiting belief. I was going to say attack it, but that's not really nice either. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but again, like I just caught myself saying the word never. I mean, we've got to watch ourselves when we're saying never, I can't, this is the only way I can do it. I mean, these just, these words leave us no other option and, uh, they're going to keep you doing what you're doing right now. So in order to change or to start shifting that, uh, mindset is we have to believe that there is something else that's possible for her, that, 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 that it is possible for her to wake up and get ready in the morning that doesn't rely on a negative consequence. Um, and you know, I, I, I do want to, um, give her a couple of strategies, but I want to say something at the end that I think is important that, you know, when you're, when trying to get out of bed, I mean, this is a common challenge, right? People will tell me that they sleep through their alarms, that it doesn't work. If they have an alarm on the other side of the bed bedroom, they still tend to go back to sleep. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that, that go on. So one of the actual strategies that I would, would have her try is that it really is a combination of willpower, motivation, and baby steps. That's the biggest thing. Baby Mm -hmm. steps. So instead of lying in bed for an extra 30 minutes, maybe she, you know, tells herself that she's only going to stay in bed for 20 minutes. And then the next time she's going for 15 minutes. So it's not like all of a sudden she's changing this like, you know, radical behavior change, but she's doing it in very small pieces to get to the point where she wants to, to, you know, be having some kind of reminder near her alarm of why this matters to her, because she said that she's tired of living this way. So there's motivation Mm -hmm. behind why she wants this change in her behavior, right? She's tired. She's probably stressed, exhausted, whatever it is. So remember your why, put that somewhere near you so you can actually see it first thing in the morning and, uh, and just work yourself, you know, into where you want to be, but do it in baby steps. But before you try any specific, you know, real strategy, and we've talked about bedtime routines and you can go through our um, podcast list and you can, you can hear us talking about routines and kind of strategies and things like that. But I think the most important thing with really this question and any question that's being asked is that there are options for you and you do, you just have to believe that just believe that something will work. It may not work every day, but even if it works, you know, three times out of five days of the, of the work day, then that's success. I mean, we've got to focus on, uh, those little changes and just, you know, believe it's possible. 
that's that was it. I, you you and I locked onto exactly the same thing. Yeah. That uh, that hyperbolic language I think is super super um, um, makes it super challenging. And I think really to phrase the to phrase the challenges you're living with in in the context of right now, I am in a habit of doing this thing that is that causes negative outcomes right now today. I am in a habit of staying in bed too late because I'm I need the adrenaline that comes from fear to motivate me. In the future or tomorrow, I would like to change in this one small way. Mm-hmm. Right? And and take those steps to change your language and change your habit around those things. I think it's it's just like tiny habits, you know. It's just right. like making those changes like you said. So I you know, I'm I'm right there with you. I think that'll that'll go a long way uh toward freeing yourself. But the other thing we've talked about in recent uh, I, I think recent episodes is this idea of if if it takes the adrenaline to get you going, you can kind of embrace it too, as long as you're honest with the people that are impacted by it. It's just, you know I I am you should know this about me. I do my best work when I am right up against a deadline, and that's how I work. If there are contexts in which you can embrace it, uh, that also might help you to feel better and stronger about yourself. There are some areas you cannot, and you just need to approach it. Uh, by changing your own behavior, but in other areas, when you can make the world, you know, uh, bend the world to your will, so to speak, um, that that also may give you a, a sense of refreshment. Love it. Next question, Nikki. Do you have any tips on linking large intentions with daily activities? Yes, I do, Pete Wright. Oh, I knew you would have something to say. (laughs) Well, first of all, I have to tell you, um, this question came from a uh, viewer of my webinar last week. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to answer the question because I didn't see it until after I'd already ended the webinar. And I had actually included this question into my Facebook Live that I did last week. And I want to include it here in the podcast too, because I'm not sure if they're going to hear the answer on Facebook Live. And I'm I'm hoping that they listen to the podcast and they can get the answer here. Excellent. So, And it's a great question. And it has one of my favorite words in it. Intention. Oh, Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, I love that word. So when shows I, we're thinking big, we're that's, thinking that's huge. Big, yes, and and I think that they're really close of, of getting the right intention, but I think that they're they're going large, right? The question is large. <laughs> large. large intentions need to probably zero into to smaller ones, and that's kind of how I interpret the question. Is you know I've got all of these big things that I want to do. I have a a huge to-do list and goals that I want to achieve. How do I link that to my daily activities, to the daily to-dos that you just have to do no matter what? And I think that this is a common question. I mean, so many people have great intentions for their days, right? And then the time just sort of passes and uh, you don't really know what happened. So I'm going to go back to the taking the large intention into a smaller intention and really paying, um, or it's really about prioritizing, really looking at what your large intentions are. What are the most important things that need to get done today and only choosing, you know, maybe one or two of them and, and plan it into your schedule. Like when are they going to happen? Because if you don't plan, they're not going to happen. Right. So, and you can plan it and they can still not happen. I mean, I totally get that. (laughs) Like I am not, you know, in a dreamy world where I think that if you plan it and put it on your schedule, it's going to happen. I totally get that guys. (laughs) Right. I can just hear the people in my like coaching group saying, it doesn't matter. 
sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I totally get that. But it really won't happen if you don't plan for it at all. So we've got to at least start somewhere. And uh, that's what I would do is I would just say, okay, let's zero in on, on some of these small goals, some of the things that are most important to you. What do you have time for? What makes the most sense for either today or this week? You know, don't go past next week because that doesn't matter right now. Um, but just for the next couple of days and, and, you know, we've talked a lot about blocking time. And if this is something that's really important to you, then you block that time and you don't let it compete with anything else. And, uh, you turn off your notifications, your interruptions, you know, you do everything you can to eliminate the distractions that you know might happen and, uh, you be committed and you, you know, you do as much as you can. I think you know what I'm going to talk about next, Nikki. I do. I think you do. Go you right do. ahead, Pete, right? I'm, I'm going to talk about a, about something that I really, really love, which is a thing that we talk about a lot, which is the daily schedule worksheet that you can download from TakeControlADHD.com. And what I like so much about it, Nikki, is that it specifically connects your large daily intentions, your daily projects and priorities, the big things that you want to do with the, with time. It connects it to time. Now, whether or not you go download this worksheet and use it as a either a PDF or print it out and actually write it, um, it taking... The, the step and and being not just intentional about the things you want to do, but intentional about how you connect those things to the time you have in your day is going to help you do that. Like Nikki says, check your calendar, but really enter things to the, on the calendar that uh, will help you move toward those big goals. I think that's uh, that's super important, and we forget it. We put on our calendar the things that that we have to get done, but we never stop and think about what is how is this going to drive me forward to the next chapter of my life or the next big accomplishment or the book I want to write or the course I want to create or the report I need to write for work or the whatever it is. If it's a, if it's a big hairy goal, you have to be able to to break it up into pieces and assign time to get it done. And I just want to add assign time to get it done and then be very specific about what it is that you're going to get done. Because I think that, um, you know, when you said go write a book, it's like, I I can just imagine somebody putting, you know, during this time, I'm going to write my book, you know, or I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to do whatever. And it's like, um, you know, I, I had somebody that I worked with who would put computer time, but that meant a lot of different things. And so, you know, we, we, we would try to kind of break that down specifically on what do you want to do on Tuesday that has to do with your computer time? You know, well, I want to pay bills. Okay, well, let's do that. Let's put pay bills on Tuesday from one to two, because that actually was a lot easier than to just look at something that says computer time. So I would just say also be specific, put the date and also be very specific about what you want to do. Question number seven, I'm 28. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of eight. As a woman with ADHD, I have a lot of trouble controlling my emotions. Any criticism can bring me to tears. Even when I specifically asked for feedback on something, even when I agree 100% with what people are saying to me. When I was five and first went to preschool, my mother very often had to pick me up early because I would cry when the teacher reprimanded the other students for any reason. What can I do to get hold of my emotions? Also, what's your favorite kind of cookie? <laughs> Thank you that's, for adding that in. I know that's Boy, the do way we have answers for that. <laughs> it's the way to put a very serious topic into something a yeah. little bit more lighthearted. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll be interested to hear how you respond to this. Um, I got to tell you, I think that for me, when I read it, um, first of all, I think criticism is really hard for anybody to take. Um, even when you know that what they're saying makes sense, it's still there's this like little stab, like oh that hurts. Yeah. Um, 
What really got me though, when I read this is I thought, wow, what a compassionate and kind heart this person has, especially when you are looking at how upset she would get with other students getting in trouble. Like that just shows a lot of compassion to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's a, that's a character trait in my opinion, to be proud of and to embrace. And, um, I know it probably is embarrassing maybe at times if you're in a review with your boss and you're getting upset, you know, I get that. I've done that before myself. Um, but I don't think it's anything that you necessarily need to feel bad about or even really try to change. So my thought is embrace your kind and sensitive and compassionate heart. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, uh, with that a hundred percent that this is not, uh, it, it's not a weakness. Uh, if, if anything, being being emotional uh, is, and I'm saying that in heavy air quotes, being emotional is has been uh, pivoted and turned and and disgustingly transformed into a, a negative trait and a criticism. And I think it is, uh, I, I think that is detrimental to our culture. Uh, and and I think you know, in in large part, we're seeing the results of that. You know, we're seeing people who who you know have have shunned emotion and and as such, they forget forget uh they they lose track of empathy and i think what you're seeing here is is and uh, what you're experiencing is that you are a, a deeply empathetic soul and that is mm-hmm. uh something to be praised and celebrated and congratulated what i would say is uh you should seek out in my experience um and and again i'm not a doctor I'm not a doctor, but I work with a lot of doctors and I podcast with a lot of doctors. So uh, a lot of uh, therapeutic professionals. How about that? And uh, I, I will say that you may feel better. You may find yourself feeling stronger in the world if you seek out uh, experiences that trigger your positive emotions, right? You know, if you, if you trigger, if you, if you like in, in Portland, if you love being outside, go take a walk in our Rose Garden or the Japanese Garden, someplace that is, that, that can trigger many senses that, that allow you to be emotional, experience your emotions in a, in, in a very positive way. Uh, and, and uh, that that I find is is refueling. I speaking specifically to criticism. Um, I'm I'm a pretty emotional guy myself, and I I say that almost um, you know as a as a criticism because as somebody who podcasts you know and and somebody who puts their voice out on the internet uh, many times a week. Um, I, I get, I get people who say really mean things and things that are really not just critical of the shows that I do, but critical specifically of me or the people I do them with critical of the way voices sound critical of, you know, saying just really, really mean, hateful things targeted to be mean and hateful, not to be critical in, in their best or helpful uh, the feedback best context or helpful right. feedback. Right. Right. It's, it is, it is the very worst part of, of being in any sort of, of sort of public eye, but that the public eye is whatever public you're associated with. So going to work, it, you know, working, you're working in, in a public eye, right? There's a culture and a community of people who, for lack of a better word, are watching you. And so when they are critical of you, when your boss is critical of you, you you're often having to to sort of choke back the feeling of negativity that comes with, oh my God, do other people see that in me too? Do other people feel like the same way that my boss does? And I, I think really finding a way to channel that emotional experience at work um, by be allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to experience emotions and sit in them and and 
and exist through them can be a, a really powerful step toward feeling more confident and more comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. I that's don't know good. what I think. No, I, okay? I think that's really good. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is the, the more popular the podcast becomes and, you know, the more people that we have that are listening to us, the more responses we get from people that are, you know, mostly, most of the time are always positive, always positive, but you always get that one or two that, that will say something and, you know, it catches you off guard a little bit. And what I have found is I kind of sit with it and then I, I just sort of ignore it. And then I go back and I look at, you know, all of the positive comments that have come in and what we're doing, I know helps so many people and, and we're making, you know, even just any small differences is why we do this. And this is the intention of what we do. And, um, and it starts to fade away. It just starts to not mean anything anymore. It's like that person, I don't know why they sent me that email, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Who cares? They don't have to listen. They can stop listening or they don't have to be a part of my newsletter if they don't care about my, you know, newest online course, that's fine. Um, so I think you do have to kind of, you know, sit in it and then step away and just remember that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You keep doing what you're doing. And, um, but I also understand when she was saying that I, even when I agree, cause I've had yeah. that happen too, where it's yeah. like, I know you're right, but I, I don't know. <laughs> you know just like, okay, fine. I'll do it different next time. I don't know. There's just something yeah, about right. it that you have to soak it in and then like process it. But. Well, and that's what I mean. Sitting in it is usually yeah, the best medicine, really right? Is. You know, if you really sit and intentionally stop and say, I feel terrible right now, I'm going to sit and feel terrible and I might need to cry and I might need to go punch a pillow or yell at a wall, but I'm going to be usually, and, and I think I learned this from one of our past guests, Michelle Chalfont, who, you know, reminded me that, that, uh, you know, even the deepest of emotions usually pass if we sit in them in about 90 seconds. Mm, right. Okay. If you can hold on to emotions for 90 seconds, mostly it'll pass and you'll be able to start processing how you want to relate to the world. But you got to intentionally approach it to sit in it, feel the grief, feel the sadness, feel the frustration, feel the anger and rage. 90 seconds, you're going to get through it to the other side of it. Well, and you know what's interesting to me, the, the most recent experience that I had with with dealing with some disappointment, my kids saw it. And they could see that I was disappointed in something. And and I did sit in it for a night. It was longer than 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I went and binge watched um, on Netflix. Any <laughs> any Party of Five fans, Party of Five is on Netflix right now. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, it is fun. I love watching it. So, yes. That's, I that's, loved that show. That's what I'm binge watching right now. Anyway, to get back on topic, that's, you know. I was upset about something and I watched probably three episodes of Party of Five. Um, (laughs) But what was interesting to me is part of the self-talk that I had is that, okay, yes, I'm disappointed in some results that I've gotten, um, but that's okay. What am I going to do? How am I going to change this? And and I started really kind of similar to – I thought of you, Pete, actually, when you were talking about your photos a while back and how you lost all your photos. And it's like you kind of come to a point. I know that it took you longer than 90 seconds to get over that. You know, it's it, it, you kind of come to a point like, okay, what are my options here? What do I need to do to, to shoot again? And, and for me, it was like, what do I need to do so that my kids don't see me giving up, so that my kids don't see that I'm going to let this one disappoint me, disappointment ruin me? 
or to stop doing what I need to be doing. And so, you know, they saw me get disappointed. They saw me be kind of sad. And then the next morning I was in a good mood and I was talking about all these things I was going to do today. And, and they were able to see that shift that, um, you know, I, I could choose a different way of looking at it. And you've talked yeah. about this with your kiddos before too. So yeah, right, right, um, right. Well, but, and and I want to add though because this is a really important thing um, that I I think had I actually stopped and processed for ninety seconds that I probably would have gotten over it in it much sooner than the months and months and months and months yeah. that it took me to. Yeah, I never. I really. I spent most of my time trying to trying to pretend it didn't exist, trying to pretend that it was something that was totally within my power to fix. Right. And had I just stopped and said, "I'm in grief. This is sorrow. I need to. I need to figure out." how to experience this it, it you know probably would have moved faster through it. i never did that yeah, yeah. what's your favorite you cookie oh see now this uh, is not a complex uh, question at all if i'm going to the store it's the oreo and traditional oreo not this terrible bastardization of flavors and strawberry <laughs> cream it's just I that know, which is right? a travesty uh to all oreos the original oreo i don't even like the double stuff i i just a straight up oreo if it's homemade then it's it's i'm uh, it's chocolate chip but it needs to be slightly undercooked and i need to have with it a hot piping hot cup of coffee with a hearty shot of iris cream in it that <laughs> is my <laughs> premier cookie experience. That's what about awesome. you? Well, growing up, my mom had a recipe and it's uh, it's chocolate no-bake cookies. And uh, if you're not sure what those are, it's basically oatmeal and peanut butter and a lot of chocolate and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much the ingredients and butter. Uh, and you Do know, they turn into cookies or are they yeah. just like balls of goo? Oh, God, they're like gauze of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> what they are so they're um you you actually on the stove top is you melt the the chocolate and it's like baking chocolate so it's not like yeah, Hershey's right. chocolate or whatever right. but you you melt you melt the butter and uh the chocolate and the sugar together and uh and then you add like i add extra peanut butter so it's crunchy peanut butter so you still have like the little peanuts and I add more than what you're supposed to because it's so good. <laughs> and then you get like a big bowl and you put the oatmeal in the bowl and then you stir up, you know, the mixture. And what happens is they heart, they start to harden like over, a, you know, a few minutes, like an hour, they'll get like to be a cookie. And my mom made these for my sister and I, as we were growing up and they've always been my favorite cookie. They're my sister's favorite cookie. And, um, I've already told my family that if anything happens to me, these cookies need to be at my funeral. Um, <laughs> I love them and, uh, I, I make them at Christmas. I make them at my birthday. And then sometimes like now that I'm talking about it, I'm going to make them I'm, tonight. <laughs> I will make them on Fridays. Yeah, I yes. will eat the whole thing. Like I can't get enough of this cookie. I even got sick, like physically sick one time. And I didn't blame the cookie, Pete. It wasn't the cookie's fault. No, of course not. It was something never else. the cookie. Like it was not, I like, I'm still going to eat the, the cookie. I mean, <laughs> it's my favorite. Love I, it. I'm going to post, I'm actually going to post a link in the show notes to a recipe that my wife has been making for us as a family, which is the breakfast cookie. And it's, it is the most amazing breakfast experience it's it, that I've ever had. And it doesn't, it like, it doesn't include any raw ingredients, like no eggs, no nothing. I'm going to post a link to it and you should make it because yeah. you can feel totally good about giving it to your family 
and uh, and they can eat as many of them as they can stomach, and they taste great, and my family just devours them. Uh, we make a batch each week with chocolate chips in them and white chocolate chips in them, and they are they are really, I mean, the perfect cookie because it's all healthy stuff, but it tastes like it's totally unhealthy. Ugh. Yes. So Want that's that I'm, I'm going to post that. Okay, we got we've got uh, I think one more big question that we're going to try and tackle here. Yes. Uh, w- w- the listener has written in asking for tips on these three categories: first, transitions. I find it difficult on a macro and micro level, getting to bed, getting up, starting or stopping writing, moving from chapter to chapter, scene to scene, sentence to sentence. Writing is a very difficult uh, thing for a. Uh, especially if you're struggling with ADHD. Decisions, the second category, um, part and parcel of the transition issue. I suspect each incremental decision is in high, is high gear, meaning not automatic, so decision fatigue can set in. But also a task may require not just decision, but also follow-through. Can't tell you how many times I've spent hours researching the right backpack or camera or whatever, then ended up too overwhelmed to place the order. A month later, I find myself back at square one, needing to do the research again. Number three, planning ahead related to transitions and decisions decisions because except for regular appointments, planning is a high gear activity with a lot of potential for self-sabotage, like planning way too many things, assuming I can do something in one-tenth of the time it will take, or not planning for what I really need, like a date with an accountability partner, or not feeling like doing what I planned. Big questions there. Well, all three topics, we could have like hours and hours of conversation. I mean, this, this is tough. I mean, this, this is tough because there's a lot of things, um, that we can talk about around here around all three issues. Uh, and they all relate to each other too, in a lot of ways, just like she's linking them, you know, um, the transitions, the decisions and planning all sort of have a, uh, a relationship. Um, you know, I think what I would like to do is, is at least give, my favorite tip for each area, you know, like kind of where to start. I shouldn't even say my favorite. It's more of like just where to start. But then I have um, a few things that I want to add to it as well. Um, with transitions, I would say that I think a good place to start with transitions is giving yourself some buffer time in between what you're doing. Uh, which would mean like not scheduling, you know, appointments back to back, um, giving yourself some transitional time. I mean, just, you know, 15 to 20 minutes before you start working on the next task, this will help you have, uh, have time for distractions will also allow some time for unexpected things to happen. Um, with transitions, I also think it's really important to keep the time in front of you. Um, so if you do have to go task to task that you are aware of the time and that's really where alarms come in handy, you know, having them go off a couple different times just to kind of plant the seed that, okay, it's time to move on to the next thing or, um, whatever it may be. Um, with, with decisions, I mean, this is a huge issue for any decision. I mean, what she's saying with the backpack and, um, camera. I mean, gosh, I'm sure many people can relate to yeah. that. You get into this rabbit hole and it's, oh, it's too overwhelming. There's just too many decisions to make. And so you end up not making anything. Right. Uh, one of my favorite suggestions with this is to make the easy ones first. So eliminate your choices, eliminate the things you absolutely know you don't want, you know, yeah. um, we've talked about this before in one of our shows where we talked about online shopping, remember? Um, oh, yes. and we had given a couple tips about how 
to set some boundaries, like just to pick one or two websites that you're going to look at, have a checklist of the things that you know for sure that you want, do everything you can to kind of eliminate having too many choices, um, can help. I think that the follow through part is almost like when we were talking about the job earlier, like don't look at it as making the wrong choice. I would almost use that same advice here with decisions. Um, just have faith in your decision, you know, make the decision and know that, you know, have faith that you feel like you made the right one. And if for some reason it wasn't, then, you know, you'll, you'll be able to figure it out. You can either get a new one, sell it, whatever, give it away. I mean, you can figure it out. So what we don't want to do is get stuck in thinking this is right or wrong. Yeah. Right. Right. Very rare are the decisions that you need to make uh, going to impact your the the overall narrative of your life. Right. Right. In the long term. Right. That. Yeah. Well, uh, and kudos. Uh, it's a, it's perspective. It's, it's perspective. Yeah. And kudos to her for being aware of these things. Like Truly. this is what's happening. And so I think that the awareness is always that first step in really kind of figuring out how do I change it. So kudos to her for even seeing that this is happening. Um, now, the third thing about planning, this is really um, hard for me to answer in like a minute, right? Because mm-hmm. I designed a whole online course that's over six hours of tutorial video all about planning. Yes. <laughs> so oh. uh, everything she said that she's struggling with, I touch base, you know, I talk about in my program. So this is a big thing. I mean, this isn't mm-hmm. something that you're just going to all of a sudden have one tip from Mickey and your life's going to change. I mean, it, it's a process that you have to go through. Um, what I do want to say is that I think a great place for you to at least start and get away from our conversation today is to estimate your time. Um, my last webinar was dedicated to how to estimate time better with ADHD. And you do that by tracking what you're doing during the day. You're tracking when you're doing it. You're identifying when you work the best. You're, you're identifying what your distractions are, when they happen. You're collecting data about who you are, how you spend your time and how long things are really taking you. You take that data And then you can start planning more efficiently and you can start adjusting for that. But until you really know what you, you know, how long things are really taking, it's very difficult in my opinion to, to plan and be almost right about it. It's not a perfect science by any means. And in my program, tons of flexibility. I mean, there's a lot and and a lot. I also talk about, and, and Pete, you were with me. We talk about the emotional connection um, in our program because, you know, it's it's that important that we're seeing all of these, how they're all connected. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. I mean, that that's my answer um, with, the, with the planning is at least start tracking your time and seeing what you find out. I know yeah. that you've got uh, some ideas on how to track time. Well, I do. And it's only because this is something that I am also specifically dealing with, right? Which is how to figure out, you know, get better at time estimation, get better at at figuring out the things that I do when my brain wanders away and I don't actually know it because that happens often when you're living with ADHD. And and um, so I 
have been really experimenting with these background timers and trackers, activity trackers, because that's that's the part that is most difficult, I think, when you're when you're living with ADHD and you're really struggling with with figuring out, you know, what what does it take to do the things that you do regularly? For me, I spend so much time on the computer that it's it is easy for me to install an app in, that runs in the background and tracks all everything that I'm doing. I'm testing two apps and services right now. The first one is called Timing, uh, and it is a completely standalone, doesn't sync to any service. It just sits on my computer. It's on it's Mac-based. It sits on my Mac, and it allows me... It, it just keeps a log of everything that I do. And I can create tasks around those things, right? I can say, you know, right now I'm working on a task if I want to manually start a task and it will track all the activity that goes into that task. So it'll say, here are the websites you visited. Here are the things you wrote in your various writing apps. Here is, are the things that you produced in your podcast production tools. Here are the, And so it keeps track of everything that I do within that task. Or I can just go back at the end of the day and say, what did I do? And scroll through my timeline and it'll show me every URL I visited. It'll show me every and what time and how long I spent there before I move to the next activity. And allow me to kind of chunk those things. I can then select them and say, okay, when I was doing this, I was working on this particular show or I was designing this particular brochure and this collection of of activities was built into this task. And that ends up being really useful. So that's one. And I've been talking to the developer of Timing uh, in Germany, and he's, I I think, may join us on the show to talk specifically about data collection uh, and its relationship to ADHD. The other is called Toggle, T-O-G-G-L. And it also has a, a background timing feature, and I'm I'm still pretty new to Toggle, but uh, that is a it's a web service. You can log into it with either create your own account or log into it with a Gmail account, and you can you can manually start your tracking activity, but also feed external sources to it and track you know download an app to your uh, Windows or Mac uh, desktops and be able to track background activity. It also has uh, uh, mobile apps so that you can put it on your mobile phone and um, be able to track your activity there. It doesn't do background tracking on mobile, but you can manually say, okay, right now I'm doing this thing and start timing. It syncs to your account, so all your data is everywhere. Really, really useful tools for me, I think, to be able to go back and actually look at uh, how long it takes me to do certain things. And I'll tell you, in the last week and a half, it has forced me to really check some assumptions. And when I normally go about, you know, uh, for example, my monthly billing, if I get off track of, of uh, you know, figuring out how much to put into my billing for my clients, I usually have to go back to all of my apps that I use. When did I send these emails? What did I, you know, what and rebuild my month. And I know that I'm dropping things all the time. And, and that... That's not helping me from a business perspective, but I, uh, you know, using this, I can go back to my day and say, here's specifically what I did, specifically when I did it, and I can see the distractions too, so I can take those out. Like if it took me 15 minutes to do this thing, but eight minutes of it, I was, you know, on Facebook and didn't even know it. I know that I can, I am really accurately to the minute. Uh, estimating what it and and tracking what it takes me to do certain things. So I know I'm 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 really new to this, uh, and so only over the last couple of weeks have I been exploring. And I'm going to have a lot more to say on this, and and we'll we'll have um, folks talking episode. about data collection. Yeah, we'll have a, a, a tech episode where we talk about to the experts who have created these tools. So yeah, uh, I think it'll be really useful. So 
Well, and I just want to say too, um, as far as like any of the strategies and, and, uh, things that we talk about, even, you know, not just today, but throughout the shows, all of the shows, all 300 of the shows, shows. (laughs) um, is, you know, focus on one or two that really resonate with you and try those. And again, just really do small steps. Don't try to, you can't just try to, you know, change your, transitions and planning and, and, uh, decision-making all at once. So just, you know, focus in on one thing at a time, try something that seems like it might work and, uh, keep building off of that. And again, I just have to shout out if you are really struggling with planning and getting your to-do list done and how to schedule that, then I highly encourage you to check out that course, um, organizing time with ADHD. Cause I cover everything in great detail and do give you a system to, to work off of. Excellent. Okay. What are your favorite, what's your, your favorite color, Pete, right? Oh, I, I have so many favorite colors. I don't know. It I really know you have more mood, than one. I do. That's a, that's how it's, it's, it's like forest green or steel blue. And then I look at my wrist. I have a bright red, uh, watch band on my watch. Like, I, I don't know. I tend to, I, I used to be all gray and black and I've decided as I get older, I need more color in my life. So I really don't care. I, it's better to ask what colors do I not like? And like bright pink fuchsia. I, I stay away from those. <laughs> You don't wear uh, bright pink. I don't pants, wear a lot of bright pink. No. Yeah, no okay. uh, but you know, blues and greens and the occasional bright slash of red. I don't like variants of red. It's gotta be boom, red. That's yeah. the red that I like, yeah. That's funny. Well, if what you're about talking you? about like things that like clothes that I like to wear, I'm definitely more black, white, and gray. Like you can pretty yeah. much, um, you can pretty much guess that I'm going to be in one of those colors or all three of those colors. <laughs> um, <laughs> occasionally I'll throw in, you know, some patterns and stuff, but there's still some black, gray and white in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. but as far as like my favorite color in my home, like to decorate with is definitely red. Like if you, we have a lot of red accents, you know, red carpet, red yeah. pillows, um, red, uh, Blinds, whatever those things are called. Not blinds, <laughs> blinds. Curtains, curtains. Curtains, not okay. blinds. Yeah, blinds are not red. The curtains are red. <laughs> Let me just make sure I get, uh, get that clear. See, we've talked a lot longer than what we normally talk, so now I'm getting like loopy about what I know my we're getting loopy. Is. That's right. Yeah, but yeah. Oh. So mine is red, and then I also wanted to to no, this question was not asked, but I'm kind of thinking people might be curious how we well, know. It's each been other. a long time. I think we've we talked about this on the last. On the la- or on have a, a Q and A show a long time ago, yeah, we did. We told the whole story. Have we? I don't even remember that. It must yeah. have been a long time ago because I do not really remember telling our story. Yeah. H- how do we know each other, Pete? Right. Well, uh, it started uh, in Portland. You were living here uh, in Portland, and we were in Portland, and it was probably I don't know early two thousand two thousand one. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. And uh, and we ended up uh, at the same church. And you had been there for, for uh, some time, I think, no. by the time we got there. Only no, a few months. New? Yeah. Oh, just right, a, you we got were married brand new. There. Yeah, we got right. married okay. there and then decided to start going to church there. It was right yeah. after 9-11. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And so that was, that was right around when we started going there and, and, uh, um, we just became friends. There was just sort of a collection of families that were all sort of new families, new couples, new families. And we all just kind of had kids at the same time and just kind of came up together as, as new families and new parents. And then, um, you know, drifted away over years. You, you guys ended up moving South. We stayed uh, where we are, but we never lost touch. And, um, uh, and, 
uh, ended up having a, a reason to stay connected through uh, through the show and our other work together. So I don't know. Is that well? Yeah, that that's that's exactly how we met. Um, and I remember Pete. I remember meeting your wife when I first met you guys. Kira was pregnant with Sophie, so um, yeah. that I remember that. And uh, I always remember you being kind of the tech guy. You were the Mac guy, right? Because you <laughs> yeah. were on com- you are on a commercial. I was. I was on a, an Apple commercial. That I was one of the first switchers, and so you could. I, I did it under my under my middle name because my job at the time I was still working the corporate job, and they wouldn't. They didn't want me to take the time off to fly to Boston to record it, and I didn't want to give them any free promotion because they were so mean uh, <laughs> about not letting me go record this commercial in Boston, and so I did it under my my uh, um, my middle name, Damon Wright. You can go find it. Please don't judge me. It was a long time ago. I had just switched to Max. I was so frustrated with. I was a a tech guy, Windows guy through and through, and I switched to Max and fell in love. Uh, and so that was it. That two thousand one, two thousand two ish. Yeah, you were. It's on so, YouTube. I'm not. I'm decidedly not putting a link in the show notes, but it is on YouTube. <laughs> you'll have to really search for uh, Pete's commercial. Oh, I'm such a tool too. Oh my goodness, it's I was so, so who? Like, why did I? How did I end up married? Like, had I seen <laughs> that? If I were my wife, I would never. Have. <laughs> this is at the very end of the show. I bet there, there's probably one person who That's gets probably to the very still end listening. of this show. Yeah, yeah, I know. So one person well, is going to see this commercial. I want to, to add, though. So what happened, like you said, is we moved down south. And uh, about a year after we had moved, I had decided to be a professional organizer. And uh, I had read an article um, in a newspaper, in a local newspaper, about professional organizing And when they had done a uh, search on people in the Eugene Springfield area, they, they couldn't find anybody. And I had never actually thought of myself as an entrepreneur, never really thought that that was what I was ever going to do. But this bug hit me. I was like, oh man, I could totally do this. And, but I knew I needed help because there was no way I was going to do this on my own. And I remembered uh, Pete being so savvy with that Mac. being such the tech genius, I don't even really know if I knew what you did for a living. I just remember having this need to reach out to you and say, can you help me with this? Like, what do you think? Can, can I do this? And you were so supportive. And I remember saying, yes, you can do this. I can totally see you doing this and I'm happy to help you. And we made this like business arrangement deal and you've been with me from day one. And, uh, you know, we created the the website, we made several changes, and then I decided to not even do organizing anymore and go into ADHD coaching and we rebranded and re- rebranded the show. And I mean, you've been up along with me, you know, this whole entire time and uh, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without you, Pete, honestly. Oh, uh, huge. that's very kind. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I really definitely see this as a joint effort (laughs) by so many means well it is and and you know this podcast in in, is it's just a reflection really of the work we do and the things i think that we care about and that's the thing that's most important to me it's like you want to work with the people who like uh, you know who share your worldview and and it's been so easy to to work with you particularly just around the adhd stuff but the organizing stuff too like i'm i am uh, uh i'm 
I, I share your spirit on this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I, I see mm-hmm. that there you can change your life through the way you approach your systems and how important they are. And and so even though, and it, you know, you can't subscribe to the iTunes feed and get the original organizing podcast episodes. They, we just we cleared them out when we changed to ADHD at right around episode 163, which is an entire generation of podcasts. Like if you look at that hundred, very yeah. few episodes get or shows get to 163, and and here we are essentially a second a second life now that we've hit 300 but if you go to you know take control adhd.com slash podcast slash number like one you can go back to back in time to march 22nd 2010 when the office closet went live and you can hear us talk about that on the way it's all on the website from episode one to 300 just use you know the the and it's number one it's not like zero one or hashtag one it's just podcast slash one if you want to you want to go back and listen to those you you can and i but don't judge us yeah again don't judge us (laughs) we were just starting we were just Uh, learning i didn't can i tell you p i didn't even know what a podcast was yeah. When when we started and you were like, I think because I think I wanted to do a radio show. Like somebody had asked me if I wanted to do a radio show, and you you absolutely were adamant, like, no, don't do that radio <laughs> show. Cause it was like a local, local thing. It wasn't even yeah. like national, or I'm sure you would have been like, Yes, go, go. Yeah, but yeah. But-, <laughs> but it was like a local radio show, and you're like, no, 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 let's do podcasting. So we were like, we were doing podcasting before it was ever popular. Like it, it, and I had no idea. Like I thought the podcast was just going to go onto the website. And so the only people that were going to hear it were people that actually went to my website to press play. Like I didn't realize it went out to the world. Yeah. Well, and now, and, and look at how much has changed since then, right? right? I mean, right. now we get, we get comments from people all over the world who are, are all, they all, and that's the thing that's most sort of humanizing about the whole experience. And it is that, you know, my ADHD, as much as, as ADHD is symptomatic for people in different ways, um, you know, it, it is really humanizing to, to reflect on the fact that we've got somebody, you know, we've got people writing us from the Netherlands and from Germany and from China who are all struggling with ADHD the same way. Like it, it's, it, I think that's the gift of, of the podcast and what I like to really celebrate every yeah. day is it just, it's a, it's a community of people who are all just trying to live a little bit better and a little bit smarter in the world, um, in, in partnership with the way the brain works. And Absolutely. I think that's a great, so there you Love go. It. Love well, it. Congratulations, Nikki Kinzer. Yes. yes, you too. 300 episodes. That's a lot. Hope You know, cheers to 300 more. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. That's Off right. to the next seven so years. So I'm going to do this. <laughs> you got it in the show the way we That's started right. it. <laughs> a herd, a thundering herd of bears running through the forest. If yes. anybody's listening to this on their earphones, they're going to be like, what? I know. Sorry. Why did she do that? This this also may hold the record in addition to episode 300 of the longest episode I'm we've ever done. And sure. Just a hair under 90 minutes. So thanks for making it through there. We promise we'll be back to regular listener uh, lengths next week. There you go. Thanks, everybody. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll catch you next week right here. Episode 301 of, of Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm-hmm.